Happier work, happier life. Thomas Huang here from Happier with Mehdi Sweetie, head of fintech and startup exchange at DBS, board member of Fintech Association, and has his own video series, What the Fintech. Today, we discuss his interesting journey from traditional finance to fintech to traditional finance back to fintech and a mix of both. We also discussed his startup experience working with startups who are trying to work with large corporations and also advice and tips for young people who are trying to decide which path they should take fintech or traditional finance. So if you're interested, tune in for this exciting podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Mehdi, for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. For the very few people who do not know you, can you give a quick introduction? Sure. Uh, my name is Mehdi Swedi. I'm French and I'm working in Hong Kong since six years. Um, I'm mostly working on the fintech industry uh, where I try to uh, first create my events before at Meta, uh, where we had a, a kind of innovation space where we could uh, bring 100 people there. So I did uh, 50 to 70 events related to fintech, innovation, cryptocurrency, blockchain, payment, regulation, uh, to try to, to spread the world and educate people about different uh, topics and vertical of how um, the fintech, how the technology can impact the uh, banking industry. And I'm also working at DBS as a head of fintech and startup exchange. Startup exchange is a kind of accelerator where we try to bring different startups in Hong Kong and in Asia to work with a different business unit, can be on the consumer side, institutional side, or support like uh, risk management, finance, or other functions, uh, and solve their problem statements, so their pay points. How uh, can we apply technology? to solve different issues and how we can measure uh, the success of this uh, new technology implementing mm. in DBS, uh, time savings, cost saving, generating new leads, generating uh, client acquisition, transaction acquisition, or uh, other impact that we can measure with, with the teams. Sounds like a lot of stuff. <laughs> how did you actually get into FinTech? Did you always know you wanted to go in a startup ecosystem when you graduate university or even beforehand? No. So I graduated in 2011-12. And at the time, uh, the most sexy industry was banking industry. Yeah. So when I study, I started to study was before the financial crisis in 2000, uh, 2006 and eight, and before the financial crisis in Europe of debt in 2011. Mm. So we were pushed to to learn how to do finance, uh, how to do the banking, how to work in a bank because, you know, attractive salaries, attractive careers, uh, pass uh, already uh, uh, pre-established for you. So we start to, to, to study finance, banking, accountancy, and the financial crisis came. So it was quite hard in Europe at the time to find internship, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, I tried to, uh, to travel around the world and find some internship in, uh, in Korea and Vietnam. Mm. And when I came back and fin finalized my uh, second master degree, I uh, had no job as well. So I went to different uh, enterprise and companies in, in Canada and Hong Kong. So I worked mostly in private banking and, and the bank of development. Okay. Uh, that's what I done before. And once I was in private banking, I face a kind of industry, still a kind of, uh, I don't want to say old, but traditional uh, on a way that uh, relationship manager work with a client. So you have relationship manager having portfolio of clients, their job is to take care of the finance of their of their clients and also give feedbacks and and updates about the market to their to their clients. So, um, how to make rich richer? It mm. was a bit the vision that I had. I was on the on the financial market for them, so it's not really a financial market for private banking, but it's more sales yep. on the, on the product. And I was taking care of the funds 
and uh, and uh, discretionary portfolio management DPM for a French bank here in Hong Kong for two years, and I was a bit frustrated about the tools that we were using, uh, the less uh, the, the lack of efficiency uh, because we can use now you know artificial intelligence to predict models uh, in uh, in the financial market, but also predict the behavior of a client or understand what they want before they they should need it, you know. And yep. I was taking a look at what is happening on the market. And I heard about that new buzzword at that time. It was 2014, 15, Bitcoin. So I was mm. like looking at what are cryptocurrencies, what is blockchain. And I bumped to, you know, that fintech universe. Ah. And it's how my uh, my interest started to grow there. So I was starting to take a look at more what is happening on the market than following the financial markets where I was working there. So it's how um, I had my twist from traditional bankers to a fintech lead. Um, yeah, and how can I say that? It was really more interesting. I was reading a lot <laughs> of books. I was watching a lot of videos, listening mini yeah. podcasts, and I spent more time to, to, to try to create my knowledge there and expertise, expertise there than to work on the financial market after that. So you went from traditional finance to fintech, yes. and then now it's to sort of a mix of both. So I did private banking, startup yeah. on the blockchain, and the startup failed. After mm -hmm. this, I had no job for a couple of uh, weeks or months, yeah. trying to create my events. Went back as a con contractor in uh, private banking for six mm -hmm. months. And after this, I worked with, uh, with Pro Technology for one year and a half. So I did uh, bank startups, bank startups, and now I'm doing bank and startup <laughs> in the wow. same time. That is quite a journey. Taking a step back, you mentioned when you graduated, it was tough times as well. Yes. Uh, I think right now, many fresh grads can relate. Do you have any words of wisdom or... Can you share any tips or advice for people struggling to find jobs right now? Yeah, I think the big difference from 2011 and, and now it's you have many government support uh, for internship and, and job for fresh grad. So you can take a look at what is done by HKMA with the FCAS. It's a fast track program for fintech careers, mm. uh, supported by Hong Kong government and uh, the HKMA. So this is a Hong Kong Monetary Authority working with every banks. Um, so they, they created programs, they have many banks on board um, and, and the banks uh, try to, you know, have a couple of interns to facilitate also the relationship with, with regulators and support the ecosystem. You have also uh, many more job fairs, I think on the market. LinkedIn is really powerful in Hong Kong uh, mm. and you can still reach out to people. So if I need to give some advice to a fresh grad or interns is try to, potential intent, sorry, uh, it's try to reach out to people, expert on the market, uh, people working already in a company that you have maybe a fit with, or you would like to explore what they are doing, send them a message on, on LinkedIn, just a quick intro of who you are, and you would like to have just a coffee with them to discover a bit about what they are doing, share experience, have some feedbacks and some maybe advice for their career. Uh, creating this kind of relationship, having a coffee with mm -hmm. someone can certainly help you, maybe not today, but tomorrow, next month, or in one year time. So I think creating this kind of, uh, of connection is really important for everyone. And if you start early, you have a network, you're good network, and you can maybe reach out to them later on. I guess that's why you have such a big network. I see you <laughs> everywhere and LinkedIn, you're so popular. How did you really maintain positivity during those times where you were still struggling to find jobs? Like mental anxiety, um, facing uncertainty? How, how can students really keep a positive mindset and persevere? Good question. 
it's always about a point of view um, and about attitude, I think. So if you have a positive attitude, you will bring more, you know, positive vibes, I want to say. Mm -hmm. it, it looks cheesy like this, but more you do, uh, better you will have. Like, I think um, uh, people are, can be lucky, but if they work hard on something, especially working hard on making connection, um, trying to have uh, feedbacks for, for others, they will have more luck in their life. I think you need also to focus on yourself. Uh, what do you want to achieve by the end of the day? Can you create a to-do list for this day or for this week with few tasks that you want to absolutely achieve and that can make you satisfied at the end of the day? If you can do this, maybe you will be happier than some people that are um, mm. just waiting for something happening. So if you just apply by website, it may come back, but it may have no answers. If you go directly to some offices with your resume and your letter of motivation and you show your your will that you really want to have an internship or a job with a company, the person in front of you won't say, sorry, we don't have any opportunities. They will accept you at least for a coffee, discuss with you. So I think it's quite interesting. It's what I did at that time as well. So try to see where are the offices, try to go to those offices, try to speak with the people there. At least you won't lose your time. It will be one hour. Maybe you will learn a lot of things. Maybe you will see what you have done well and what you need to change mm. or improve to, you know, next time you will have an interview or you will reach out to someone, make it better. And by learning those things, I think it can make you happier. That's what worked with me. That some days are not easy. Maybe today mm. is not a good day. Maybe tomorrow won't be a good day. Maybe the following day won't be a good day. But in one week, one month or one, one year, it would be better, definitely. So perseverance and proactivity. Yeah. But I, I think that's also for now, right? Like you still do that. Always, always. And you need to be resilient on everything. So you don't have to, to give up, I think. Uh, um, just focus on yourself. Do it for you. Just this, yeah. If you do it for yourself, you will be happier in the, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, you won't take a look at how many likes you have on your post. You won't take a look at how many views you have on Instagram. You won't take a look at what you have in the end of the day through social media, but you will have like personal satisfaction is more important than just a few figures about 100 likes or 200 views. Exactly. Speaking of resilience, you mentioned your startup, the first one failed, which yeah. I believe many startups that happens, myself as well. Can you share more about the failure and what happened, how you could probably improve or advice for other entrepreneurs there? I think, I think uh, what is really interesting is, um, so when I, because today I'm working on the kind of accelerator, the name is Startup Exchange. We work with, I want to say like 30, 40 or 50 entrepreneurs and startups uh, every year. Um, what is really interesting is to see if you can resolve a problem segment, if you can resolve a pain point for the industry, a real one that everyone is, is facing. If you go to something really niche, it's quite complicated because maybe you will reach out to 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, but you won't have the budget to, to create mm -hmm. a project with them, to have client acquisition, but if you can really solve something, uh, it makes it makes different uh, definitely a, a difference in the market. There's many companies in Hong Kong that don't resolve any problem. They have a product, but the product is not necessary on the market or mandatory for the market to adopt this one. The adoption is quite low. So, uh, can, what can you do? You can do a pivot, rethink about your strategy, rethink about what you want to achieve, rethink on how you want to work. What is your target segment? Is it B two B, B two C? Do you want to work with large customer base and, and with everyone? So this is burning cash as well. 
you need to develop a lot, you need to invest a lot on your, on your company to develop the solution, the product, the user experience, or do you wa want to work on B2B with banks or other financial institutions or a big player uh, in an uh, industry? So how can you connect your company to them? How can you serve them their problem statement pain point? So these are the two questions you need to ask yourself, I think. Uh, the thing is uh, how you trust your team. Mm -hmm. I think this is something really important. How do you work with the team? Where is the trust? Um, is everyone at the right spot and can deliver the right, you know, product, uh, project or, or task? And definitely, can you deliver a quick win? If you deliver a quick win, it's better for you. If you cannot deliver a quick wins and you go for a project for six, seven months uh, without giving a vision and a dream and also the metrics that you want to achieve by the end, to see what is feasible and, and, and compare what is possible today compared to what you can expect in the future, it can be also quite difficult for a company, I think. So um, when I work with a startup, I try to take a look at the team. Can the team work with us? Can the team can deliver? Is the team good enough and responsive for us and can commit to us? Is the product the right one? We don't care about the technology. You can focus on blockchain, AI, or what you want. At the end is how the technology will solve the issue. So sometimes mm -hmm. blockchain can be one, Sometimes AI will be better. Sometimes another one will be better. Sometimes it's just user interface integration and connectivity that you will just change the flow and the process. And and can you deliver it quickly in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or eight weeks? Mm -hmm. And can we see it? Because if you commit for six months, nobody in a big company will commit for you. Like people will leave the company and the project will just dead. Will yeah. become dead. Uh, so I think all this one here can give you a kind of explanation how you can structure your offer, how you can speak with a different uh, big corporate, how you can expect to deliver something in the end. And and after this, obviously, a small project is not what we want to deliver, except for marketing. But if you want to be integrated and implement your solution to a, to a big corporate, how you can foresee this and be proactive to support the business you are working with, to talk to the, to the tech teams as well, and mm. find the budget to work with them. You mentioned pivoting. It's okay to pivot for startups, right? Even working with large corporations? Yes. And so at what point in time do you think a startup should realize they need to pivot? Uh, when they start to struggle, if they think they have only a treasury for a couple of weeks in front of them or in front uh, in a couple of months, uh, based on the feedback they can receive as well. If they try a solution is not working, the adoption is not here, maybe they just need to focus on how they can make money by pivoting on other things. Sometimes lead generation is better than just try to create a new platform or system that they cannot you know, sell to massive adoption for different banks. Mm. And you mentioned some criteria many corporations are looking for when they work with startups. How can startups better connect and reach out to corporations that are looking to use new technology? There is, there is many ways. Um, one thing I'm looking every time, it's uh, the deck. Is the deck uh, quite easy to understand? Can we oversee uh, from that deck uh, what the company can provide to us? Is the solution clear? Uh, is the problem statement clear as well? How we can solve the pain point of the industry? Uh, this is the minimum. So if you have a good deck, a good presentation, at least you can pass the first or the first and second filter, I, I want to say. How to present yourself, how you go to the teams, and how you respond to uh, to the different emails as well. Are you enough proactive and responsive when the the team asks you some question or send you some document like you know onboarding document or NDA for example? 
some companies sometimes make more than one month or two months to reply to just an NDA. So mm. when this is happening, you know, uh, maybe during that month, the team looking for startups have met other startups and maybe start to work with them because the other are more proactive and the attitude of the other startups is more, you know, uh, really uh, committed to, to the team. So there is still a way, like I think soft skills are still important. Mm -hmm. Presentation is still important. And after this, demonstrate that you can do it and deliver quick win with uh, real fast and tangible results is another thing as well. What are some immediate red flags that when you see this, you're like, okay, never mind, I'm not going to work with them? On communication, I want to say, certainly, sometimes. Uh, there is some things that, it, it, but it's really personal. When I start to speak with the company and I say, how do you start your company? And they start to speak about the technology, but not the problem. Like they ah. say, oh, we start with a blockchain and we went to that problem statement here, or we find that issue here. So we were looking how we can apply blockchain to that, uh, to that problem. I think this is not the best way to start a company. But when someone comes to me and say, okay, I was in this industry for 20 years, faced that issue for five years, and I, I try to structure to you know uh, structure that problem statement, split it in different phases, see how I can reply to this one, what are the best technologies that we can solve this issue, and how is it uh, easy to impl implement? I think this is a, a better narrative directly at the beginning, and you should use the uh, serious of the team as well. I, I see many entrepreneurs, especially tech people, mm -hmm. who have this issue where they build this technology, they focus on technology, but they don't focus on the problem. Yes. Do you think it's still possible for them to get funding to work with incubators, accelerators, and how can they adjust adjust their deck and presentation to make it more attractive? There, there is many programs uh, in Hong Kong and in Asia where you can just join. You mentioned accelerators. I think this is a good school as well. But it's a lot of commitment for entrepreneurs. Sometimes it's 12 weeks. Uh, the shoulder is, is quite packed and they don't have uh, so much time to, to focus on the teams and generate revenue. I think you have also uh, uh, Entrepreneur First with a good uh, opportunity for you to learn all the basics of how to structure your deck, how to structure your offer, your product. Um, there is other uh, angel investors taking a look at this. Uh, I don't have the name of, of this program, but uh, I, I find a couple of them last year. It's quite interesting. So maybe reaching out to those programs, try to be on board and have the, the right feedbacks, right advice uh, can help you to structure better your your offer. I saw many entrepreneurs going to this kind of uh, of class or program, fail the first time, but coming back a second time and the second time they can deliver what is expected by uh, angel investors or by uh, maybe accelerators and in the end uh, fundraise because they learn the different process. Becoming an entrepreneur is not something easy. It's like going to school. You need to learn, you need to fail, and you need to come back to uh, to, to the project, maybe do the pivot or maybe structure differently, learn where you were making some mistakes and how you can avoid to make the same mistakes again. Can you share some of the cool projects, initiatives that came out of your POCs from this year or last year? Yeah, uh, we did, I uh, think, more than 20 right now since uh, I started at DBS. So. Oh, wow. This year is quite busy. Uh, as I mentioned just before this uh, podcast, uh, I think we we work uh, quite uh, quite well this past month. So we had a lot of uh, workloads at the office. We work mostly on AI and data. I think 70% of our POCs are on AI and data. Some go to integration. This is inter interesting. So when we speak about data, machine learning, 
it's it's how we can proceed the different set of data to have different results. It can be predictive models to uh, you know uh, for a bank default a default uh, loan. So if company can give you back uh, the loan that you the money of the loan or not, um, it can be also how to predict the uh, behavior of a customer uh, on the customer side or institutional side, how to onboard them easily. Uh, so we have launched last November the first uh, digital onboarding for a bank in Hong Kong. So you can do your onboarding on uh, less than 10 minutes for a big bank like DBS. That's impressive. On your, on your phone. We want to go uh, faster now because we have also uh, a market where we have virtual banks who can onboard uh, at least for deposit in a in, in, in few minutes. But DBS is also working on reframing that uh, customer journey on one application. This is the most important. Some banks still have not live applications. So you need to go on the website, fill a form for 20 minutes, yep. have a reference code number, download the application, put inside the reference code number. And you know, like you need, still need to continue to, to work on it. So. It's one of the things that we have done. Next month, we have a kind of cool project that we have done regionally with uh, our junior from our teams. Where so maybe maybe like this is not like setting a big expectation, but you can take a selfie with your phone and the application that we have. You know, we have uh, we will age your face, and from that picture and two questions, we will try to tell you how much money you need to sa uh, to save for your retirement. It's just it's, it's just a, it's a project that we have done. It's a cool one. Uh, maybe some people will say it's, it's not cool, but it's a good ex experiment. And the whole team learned a lot to do it. But also, I think the user experience is quite interesting. So maybe I can share the link with you later, and you can you can test it, yeah. and it can give you an expectation of how much you will need uh, when you will be like 50, 55, or sixty, uh, and how you can start to plan it right now. I take a lot of selfies, so I think it'll be <laughs> a good product. But how does it? Based on how you age, how does that determine how much money you need to save? Is it like, oh, you're not going to age well, you need to save up for more money to take care of your skin or how no, does that it's, work? It's not going that uh, on the details right now. So it's more about, it's kind of a, it's a gamification of okay. uh, an application. So we use AI to predict your picture in the future. So you, we had already some solution like this last year on Instagram, I think, yep. uh, or Facebook. And from this and a few questions, we can determine more or less where you are now on your mm. expenses. Um, we don't ask for your revenue, for example, but we can understand what is our kind of uh, lifestyle. And from this, we can expect through some different projections and some analytics, uh, what kind of uh, uh, retirement you will need later or amount of retirement you need to start to plan right now with a goal-based uh, plan uh, uh, project uh, for the future. That's pretty cool. Backing up a bit, so a lot of our audience are people still deciding between startups, corporations, starting their own companies. Mm -hmm. Can you share more on your experiences and the differences between joining a large corporation, traditional finance versus fintech? And any advice for these young people to help them decide which track they should take? So it will depend on your ambitions. It's always about personal ambition. What do you want to achieve? Do you want just to have a job that can pay the bill, help you to buy a house, a car, travel, and plan for your retirement? Uh, do you want to spend at least less energy at work and can focus on uh, side businesses? So if you want to do this, it's better to go to a large corporate, I want to say, and have some functions that can fill your expectation and give you a salary. If you are uh, career-oriented and you are ambitious, 
there are still many programs on the big banks like graduate programs, uh, fast track programs, where you can travel during two years, do like four uh, regions in the world, four different positions for six months. I think this is quite interesting for, for junior right now and French grad. If you want to go to a fintech startup or at least a startup, um, it will depend on many factors. I think you need to understand who is the CEO first and the co-founder. What is the impact of their decision every day? Are they still the decision maker or can they delegate to different people in the same team uh, the power and the decision making uh, uh, ability? If yes, how the team is? What is the culture of the company? Uh, because when you go to a company like this one, you need to be sure that you can be a good fit for that company. Sometimes it can become uh, a difficult experience for some people because they don't, they are not enough proactive or they, they are not like, you know, voicing out enough to make the company become a better solution or a better company. Because on a startup, we expect from everyone, from the top management to the, to the bottom, uh, at least uh, uh, I want to say that the most junior people to have an impact on the company. What can you bring? Can you bring extra 10% or extra 20%? Not on the productivity, on the delivery, but also on the, on the marketing, on the culture change, on the atmosphere in the company. Uh, also came with some ideas that can generate new uh, product or source of revenue for the company. So this is kind of different. I want to say that you need to try both. You need to try big corporate for two or three years and try a, at least a fintech or a startup for one or two years. And after this, you will see what you like. Mm. But uh, when, uh, you know, the economy is going well, uh, both are paying you uh, good money, I think. When the economy is right now with the COVID situation, um, you are more protected in a big corporate, certainly. Mm -hmm. When people are applying for banks, I assume that their applications should be different from when they're applying for a fintech startup. Yes. How, what's the difference? So um, for a bank, you need still to follow some procedure. So you need to go on online, apply there, uh, because like the bank needs to open the changes for everyone. So if you just apply on a website, your CV can be you know, selected and you can go to the next stage. And I want to say also, you need to try to reach out to the different uh, lead of the department uh, expected on LinkedIn. Try to contact them and see if it's possible to have a catch up with them, maybe to introduce yourself first. And and based on that selection, they can see your CV, uh, resume, and see that you are motivated as well. And you are, you know, um, how can I say that? Making um, a good impact on your on your application uh, compared to others are really like passive. Mm -hmm. On, on a startup, it's maybe sometimes harder to find the information about the value, you know, when you write your uh, letter of motivation about uh, information or success that they had recently, how you can fit on that company. So you're also good to, I think, reach out directly to the persons or go to their offices. Most of the companies are on different co-working space, like WeWork, uh, The Hive, uh, Comfire, or others, mm -hmm. or at Cyberport or STP. So try to do a list of companies you can visit Take one day on your week, just go there, try to speak with a different person, just go to the office and just say, hey, you know, my name is Mehdi. I just saw your names and the company. Uh, I think it's interesting. I would like just to learn a bit more about what you are doing and see if you are looking for some talent maybe uh, and share with you my resume. And this is a good way to proceed here. After this, what kind of skills do you need to, to show at the bank or the startup? It depends on really the nature of the job that you want to apply. If it's project management, is different on a startup because it will be more technical maybe, or maybe mm. more software than maybe project management on, a, on, a, on finance uh, in a bank. 
for the content side, like the CV, the letter of motivation, is there a big difference in how they should structure it? And is letter of motivation necessary for large banks or startups? I'm French, so I want to say yes, <laughs> but this is from my education. Uh, the resume, uh, no, the resume, I think it can be the same. Uh, after this, it will also depend on the nature of the job because maybe you yeah. need to amend your resume uh, to fit directly on that uh, nature of the job or to uh, maybe demonstrate some of your concrete uh, results on your past, uh, past job. For example, if you need to if you want to do business development, you need to showcase and demonstrate that you have bring more revenue and more clients. How can you do it for a bank? How can you do it for a startup? It's totally different. I think for the startups, they will more focus on the client bring, name of the client, but also the revenue that you bring. For a startup, if you're a recent manager or business developer for uh, uh, for a bank, for example, yeah, sorry, excuse me, for a bank, uh, it's totally different. How you can sell the services of the bank to uh, to the partners. So if you are focusing on the institutional side. How can you work with real estate companies? How can you work with hospitality companies? How can you work with automotive companies? It will be totally different from a startup. And then you mentioned that it's good to have experience in both startups and corporations. Yeah. So I guess it's okay to assume that it's not as hard as people would think to jump from one to the other, or uh, is it? I saw some people facing difficulties, yes. Um, it's totally two different worlds. It's uh, it's totally two different universe. It's totally two different way to proceed as well. Yeah, some people are too used to the life in a corporate, and, and when they go to a startup, they don't, you know, in corporate you can say this is not my my team working on that project, or this is not my function in the bank. You need to go to another teams. But when you're on a startup, you need to do everything. Everything. You need yeah. to do to change the printer if there's an issue. To you know fill the paper there. You need to to also. Um, clean the coffee machine, but you also need to do, um, you know, operation, back office, front office, middle office. Uh, you can need to do, a, if, if you're not the developer, you cannot do development, but you need to support the developer to realize the project that you want. So I think uh, when you're on a, on, a, on a startup, you need to be multitask, uh, really uh, flexible as well, and really proactive. And never say no to something because it's it's quite complicated. At least at the beginning. After this, if you are really you are really specialist on something, yeah, you 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 just need to focus on it if it's your priority. But uh, I think in the corporate, you have also manager who help you to prioritize more your your task. Mm -hmm. And maybe on, on startup, you can be feel that every task need to be prioritized, and yep. it can be it can be uh, sometimes uh, kind of. <laughs> Do you have advice for people who are trying to switch from startup to corporate or corporate to startup to make the transition a lot smoother and easier? I don't have a specific advice here because I think it will depend on the attitude of the person mostly. So really just have an open mind and attitude proactivity. I, I think hardworking is really good, but attitude is better, definitely. Like if you have the right attitude, the right um, uh, behavior with your colleagues and, and the right commitment to your, to your work, uh, it will help definitely. And one of the things that you, people don't do enough is to add for, ask for feedbacks. Feedback. I think feedbacks are really important. So what I'm doing well, what I'm doing not enough well, how can I improve this? Do you have feedbacks for me? Do you think I can polish my, 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 my default here and make it okay or raise my standard? How can I level up every day? Some people may take feedback too personally. How can they be more critical and you know, receive feedback in a good manner? Uh, there is there is two way here. Like uh, I want to say that it's a two way street. Mm -hmm. So you have the person sending the feedback and the person receiving it. 
the person who need to receive it need to understand this is not really personal, except if the person in front of him, you know, like uh, is going on that way. But normally it's more how you can adapt yourself and how you can rethink uh, uh, what you are doing. It must be constructive. The feedback must be constructive. And the person thinks the feedback needs to be also kind of teacher or mentor here. You say, mm-hmm. okay, I think you are doing well here, but maybe by changing that habit or changing this, or maybe thinking differently here, you can improve your the quality of your work and level up your, your game here. Mm-hmm. After this is uh, psychology as well. <laughs> I think you need to have trust and believe on that person as well. And, and, and don't go to everyone SWAT for feedbacks. Just go to the person you think they can bring you a positive uh, answer to you and help you to accept sometimes the reality. Most of the time at, at, at work, nothing is personal. So uh, don't take mm. it too much personally. If you become personal, maybe you need to speak more with that person and understand why he says that. Mm. Uh, do not hesitate to ask more questions about why do you say that? Why do you think that? And maybe try to have a, a second advice or third advice as well. Moving like super forward, where do you see the fintech trend going in the next five, 10 years? What is really interesting with the fintech, it's just a buzzword. It's how we apply technology to an industry. So this time is the finance, but before this, we had the ebook. Before this, we had the email. So how we change from sending mail to sending emails every day, how we change from sending fax or other documentation to SMS, WhatsApp, uh, how WhatsApp came in our world and now it's it's part of the tools that we use as a professional. So FinTech is just the application of new technologies helping you to do everything on your phone if you're on the a, on a customer side or to have integration and have live solutions. So it means when you apply to something, you have directly the answer. If you apply to a loan, you know already if you have the loan or not. If you apply for a credit card, you have the validation and you have the digital credit card on your phone. If you want to have access to your uh, web application, you need to enter a password and a login, right? Yep. You click on a button and you have an answer. This is live. This is uh, made by microservices. So how banks can switch from traditional and 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 really a big, I want to say, monolith of technology of of application to something instantly, and and uh, it can be on the consumer side, it can be on the on the B two B side as well, and and how the technology is helping for this. So I like to take that I- image of the old movies of the, you know, the Western with a big train. <laughs> yeah. It's still a steam train there. What has changed from the steam train from two year, 200 years ago to now a bullet train? It's still a train. It's still a train, but the technology and the application of the technology change. So from a, a steam where you need to use, you know, like the water and uh, I'm sorry for, yeah, yeah. Um, all, all, all this uh, old stuff there from electricity and now, uh, now the bread train is going to, I don't know, like 300 kilometers and you don't feel it when you're inside because you have a better integration of design, user experience, yeah. technology, new materials as well. It's the same for the bank. Uh, and, and now everyone is so used to have everything instantly. You go on Amazon, Alibaba, you can have the same day delivery. Yep. You just click on it and you have the prime. So it's, it's just crazy. You know, how do you, how can you do this with a bank? bank? How can you have like instant uh, transfer of money? Now we have FPS in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. How can you have instant application for a loan and don't wait for 30 days? How do you have uh, instant application for your medical fees with mm-hmm. your insurance and have the money back or know how much you need to pay and don't wait for three, four, five months? This is what we are doing with the fintech. So, so the future is just integration of new technology, creation of new product as well, and, and understand more your data. 
Uh, not all your data like Facebook, but your data that we can use on the insurance side, finance sites, or other sites of, uh, of the financial industry to predict what you will need. For example, if you go to IKEA and you buy a sofa, you need an insurance for this one. Or if you go to Fortress and you want to buy a TV, do you need an extra insurance for, for your TV to protect it for two years, five years? This is what we need to understand when you make the payment. All right, my last question is, how can the audience connect with you, with DBS, and learn more about what you're doing? So we have a website with a startup exchange uh, where you can apply if you are a startup and you want you want to use it. Otherwise, I'm 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 quite active on LinkedIn, so my team and I we can reply to to message. Uh, we're also doing at this point is uh, is postponed, but we are still doing a lot of community events. We try to give back to the community, and it's free for everyone. So some of the events are massively communicated, and people can join by just uh, you know register for free and, and come to see the startup we are bringing on stage, uh, the different speakers that we want to share, the experience with everyone. Um, we also work with universities. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a partnership with the CUHK, but we work also with other, other universities in Hong Kong. So we try to still to be here, to be uh, uh, quite transparent with everyone, to communicate, to give back to the community, to support different engaging uh, movements here. And also personally, I do my video, What the FinTech. So you can find it, it on, <laughs> thank you very much. You can find it on uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on, on LinkedIn. So all the social media, yeah. even on TikTok. So <laughs> awesome. So it's quite easy to, to engage with us, but do not be afraid to send a message on LinkedIn. Sometimes I make some time to reply because I have uh, uh, many messages, but <laughs> I will try to do it. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Mehdi. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it.